We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromelo. The countdown to the 2022 NFL Draft has officially reached single digits, and all 32 teams are putting the finishing touches on their draft boards. And tonight, we here at Sports Crunch put the finishing touch on our annual Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour with our eighth and final stop, the NFC East. And joining us to share his thoughts on what the Giants, Commanders, Eagles, and Cowboys should do when they're on the clock is our good friend Jeff Barnes of Cover2Draft.com and Nuts and Bolts Sports. It's always a pleasure to have you with us, Jeff. How are you doing, man? Pushing through. You know, this is a long process, so <laughs> I'm at the point where if we get closer and closer, the energy level gets real low. We've been burning this oil for months, so the coffee comes in play. <laughs> uh, yeah, you do, uh, you do the dirty work for us. I'm no uh, analyst and expert like you are. Uh, you uh, get all these reports and all these film studies done on all these prospects for people like me to uh, look over. And that kind of explains why I kind of feel the opposite right now, kind of like more of a jolt of energy compared to you. But I also feel you too, man. I barely slept this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm working off of four, maybe five hours sleep at night. That's, that's a, that's a good night's sleep for me this time of year. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, hopefully you'll be back to good old eight hours after Saturday. And uh, without further ado, let's break down the NFC East and its draft needs, starting with the New York Giants. And this is the first draft of the Joe Shane, Brian Dable regime. And Buzz suggests that the Giants are one of the two teams in the top 10, Panthers being the other, that are most likely to trade back. And general manager Joe Shane, he wants to pull off a very similar trade that the division rival Eagles just made with the Saints and get an additional 2023 first round pick. However, the feeling around the NFL word has it is that there isn't a player in this draft worth spending such capital to trade up for, which means that such a haul is unlikely for the Giants. But that said, should the Giants accept an offer that includes, say, an extra second and extra third next year? If the value's there, I mean, if, if there are players on the board that they really want, I say take the players. I mean, trading up for next year's class is one thing. But there's, this is a very deep class. We talk about it all the time with the super senior class because of the COVID year, with all the talent that's in this class. And it may not all be at the quarterback position, which people always love to talk about. If you have the players that you want on the board at the time you're picking, if you're trading, it better be for something worth it. And I, I think with all of the moves we've seen so far this year, I don't know if we can pinpoint exactly where the trades are going to happen because you've already had so many happen already. We have multiple teams now with double first round picks. So I think overall, when you're looking at it, they're, they're rumored to be in it. I think every, every general manager is going to have their ears open for a trade, but overall, I don't think he moves if the deal isn't sweet enough. It has to be the right deal because there's guaranteed to be players on the board that he wants at the, at the picks that he has. Oh, absolutely. And you bring up a, very important larger point here uh several people are just dissing and i mean dissing this draft mm. class oh it's the worst draft class since 2013 oh my god uh, yeah i understand uh, that vibe because of this year's underwhelming quarterback group but 2013 was just awful 2013 <laughs> didn't have the edge group this year has no it didn't have the wide receiver group this year has not at all it it, it it just was terrible this is nothing like 2013 don't you agree 
Oh, this is nothing like it. And if you're looking at the middle rounds, you're looking at players who I believe are still going to be contributors um, at the next level. You're talking about guys that are going to fall in this draft that could still start for you. It would normally be first round of a certain other drafts. We're talking about a heavy loaded wide receiver position. We're talking about a tight end class that's Overall, they made it to have that top of the board value, but these are guys that have come immediately come into rosters, immediately fit in and uh, contribute right away. So when you talk about a draft class that's going to be able to contribute to your roster right away and loading up on picks in this draft, I think is the best thing you could do. Uh, overall, you don't have to have the all pro starters out of this class at every position you may want that out of your first rounders but you want guys that are coming to your roster that make a difference and there's going to be a lot of those guys in this class and i think a lot of guys that are going to fall down the board because it's just so many of them in the middle rounds yes and that's why we could very well have a robust seller's market on draft night so that is something to pay attention to and now moving on to the washington commanders in recent weeks it has become easier to decipher what the commanders intend to do compared to most teams first they give up a lot to trade for carson wentz and ron rivera who rarely and i mean rarely attends pro days unless they have players his team is very very high on he was spotted at the ohio state pro day watching garrett wilson and chris olave based mm -hmm. on those two tea leaves would it be somewhat of a surprise if a wide receiver is not the pick for Washington at 11? Um, I think that if there's a tackle that he has rated higher, I, I think they'll consider that. I think if there's a, a defensive player that they have rated higher, especially in the secondary, they'll consider that. Uh, I think this, what happens is you don't have to sell out on the first round wide receivers. The guys in the second round are going to come in and immediately contribute. You have your number one. You need, you need number two and number three to get better. And I think that's what you're going to look for in this draft. You don't have to have number two and three in the first round. So if you have that corner that's sitting at Washington's pick that they really want, they'll take it. If they have a safety uh, like Hamilton falls to them and they really want to improve their safety play, well, Kyle Hamilton could be a, a, a Washington commander. So I think when you look at it, they're going to play their board properly. They don't have um, a lot of wiggle room because they don't have as many picks as a lot of other teams. So if they try to trade up and back, I think the Carson Wentz move was one of the things where they made a lot of moves to try and get that veteran. He's not sold on the young quarterbacks. He wanted veterans. So he got that position settled. I think overall, he's trying to surround that guy with pieces. Now one, you got to protect them. Washington has always had an issue the past six, seven years protecting the quarterback. So I looked at that first. I think they're going to look to improve that offensive line because overall the, the best starting guys are going to be in that first round. Definitely all such options are on the table for uh, Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew and the commanders. But if you look at the exploding wide receiver market, mm -hmm. two wide receivers stars traded this off season with Devonte Adams and Tyree kill. And yeah. now word out of San Francisco is that Debo Samuel wants out. So um, Washington might want to play it safe and not risk uh Terry McLaurin um, having a similar outburst, so to speak, and uh, getting some insurance in case he does at 11. So that's another reason why I think they would be willing to pull the trigger on a wide receiver at 11. Yeah, uh, I don't doubt that they go wide receiver if that's what's at the top of their board. I think, once again, I think they're going to play their board. I don't think they're going to force the issue. And I think that's where you get in trouble is when you feel the need 
to take a player who's lower on your board than the guy that's at the top of it. If that guy at the top of your board can immediately come in and help your team, then you take them. And I think that's what's going to happen is teams are going to do that. They're going to look at it. Oh, we need a wide receiver. But you may have an edge rusher at the top of your board, which can definitely help your team because you may have solid edge rush, but you never have enough edge rushers. And overall, you can come back in the second round and add on. And there are going to be receivers that do fall. Unless that run of receivers happens early enough that all the top receivers go earlier than expected, I think what you're going to see, there's still going to be a Burks and a few others that fall into the second round that can come in and help you out. There may be a chance where Dotson may slip out because if these guys fall because of other positions going faster, I think the tackle class is going to go fast. I think the edge rushers, because they're going early, they're going to pull some of the other guys up. I think what may slip, maybe some receivers, those top receivers will slip to the later part of that first round. I think what you're also going to see is some of those interior offensive linemen, interior defensive linemen slip because the edge rushers, because of the tackles, because of the wide receivers going up. And if those quarterbacks come into play where teams do get desperate enough to say, they're not going to be there in round two. We've got to take them now. Then that's going to push some more of those guys to the back half of that round again. So that's always the case. You've got to watch for those that movement in the round that's going to dictate your board for you to say, okay, we had this guy there. We liked him at the spot. We thought he was going to be there. He's not there. What's there now? And we'll evaluate what we have on the board and say, that's the best value for the pick. And I think that's what you got to look at it. Because if you do go position, we have to have this position here. You're going to reach and it's going to be a bust. Very, very, very good nuggets there, Jeff. Thank you very much. Some more things to pay attention to when things get started next Thursday night. And now on to the Philadelphia Eagles. And there are a couple things I want to discuss with the Eagles. Number one, it's been two weeks since uh, Howie Roseman shook up the draft with that aforementioned blockbuster trade of draft capital with the Saints. Yet given Howie Roseman's trademark for always, and I mean always, being willing to wheel and deal his way both up and down the board, he may not be done. Do you think it's more likely he spends one of his two remaining firsts and one of his two thirds to trade up on draft day? Or do you think it's more likely he trades back from one of those two firsts? Um, I think right now it looks more like Roseman's going to either stand pat or trade back. Uh, I think right now he's looking to add on more for next year as well. He's another one of those GMs that I already made one move for next year. Um, if I don't, feel I have to make a special move this year, I'll trade back and, and get the extra pick next year. And I think what you're going to look at with Howie Roseman is he's going to play his board. He's he's one of those guys that plays the numbers. And I give him credit. It's worked for him so far. Um, he's got a Super Bowl ring. It, I don't know too many analytics guys who are GMs that have one besides Howie Roseman. But uh, it, when you look at what he's done so far, he doesn't. he's one of those guys that hasn't forced the issue with the draft. He makes a move every once in a while that, that seems desperate by jumping up this year. I don't know if he's going to do that. I think he, right now he's either going to stand pat with the two picks that he has left since he had three originally, or he's going to say, you know what? I don't like the way this is playing out. I'm going to take that second pick bank it for next year, add some extra picks in the middle of rounds and get some quality value guys for this team because he needs a lot of talent. He's got that defense is aging. That offensive line took a couple of hits on the inside and he still has to finally get the right mix at receiver. So he has a lot to fix and a lot of picks are going to help. him. Oh, excellent point. Which goes to my second question about the Eagles. Um, they were a team that surprised some last year by making it all the way to the playoffs. And once again, props to Nick Sirianni on a job well done in his uh, rookie year as a head coach. But when you look at this roster, you said it, it's aging. And out of all the star players on their roster, there's very, very few 
young players that could be stars. Like all I could think of is like Devonte Smith at this moment. Mm-hmm. So don't you think it might be more prudent for the Eagles to trade back and get more young blood on the roster? Because uh, this roster is clearly going through a state of transition right now, and uh, they might have to blow it up even more after next season. Yeah, I mean, if he stands pat with the first two first-round picks, that's two players you're going to consider immediate starters. They're going to come in and compete for your starting role, and they're going to be guys in the second and third round who can compete as well. We, we, he has to fix the interior line. They're going to be interior linemen at those two picks. He has, he needs to improve that receiver room. They're going to be receivers at those two picks. He needs linebacker depth. He doesn't typically go um, – uh, linebacker in the first round. There's gonna be plenty of linebackers there that can improve his linebacker room. Uh, and also, we talked about it. Um, the, the center has only got maybe Kelsey's got maybe one or two more years before he hangs up his cleats. They already lost one guard to retirement, so they're right now looking at the interior line, saying we got to get better here. Um, the tackle play um, when they have one side secure and the other side has a talent, but always injured. So you look at it, that offensive line still needs attention. Their pass rush still needs attention, um, because it's aging. We know about Fletcher Cox. They released them. I believe they brought them back on a cheaper deal. Yeah. Right. So we talk about it. That's age right there. He's still an effective player, but he's not the Fletcher Cox of old. There's going to be plenty of defensive tackles, on the board when they come to pick. So there he can address a lot of those positions with those two picks. He still has the extra picks because he traded the third uh, first round pick away to the saints. So I think overall he has the ability to play around with it. If he's really not happy and says, I want to back up, just take one of my first rounders bank, the second one for next year, somebody will give me another one um, that's desperate to move up at that point. I don't know if we're going to have that big a trade at this point, but nothing, never say never. There may be somebody at the back end who sees somebody slipping down the board and says, we got to move now to get who we want. So that can happen. I don't see it happening. I think right now he's going to stand pat with the two first round picks and bring in two immediate players to help this year and then bring in two more next year. But I think he's going to definitely use those picks in the first round and in the second. Oh, definitely. Given the state of the Eagles roster, as you just described, I think it's uh, the safest bet that Howie Roseman will uh, Stan Pat with both of those uh, two first round picks. And uh, if you want to uh, find a betting market for it, um, place your bet on that. And uh, now on to your favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. And when you look at the Cowboys roster needs and their pre-draft activity, I think the pick at 24 overall will either be an interior offensive lineman to replace Connor Williams, a wide receiver to help replace Amari Cooper or defensive end, a pass rusher to replace uh, Randy Gregory after that contract kerfuffle that uh, sent him to the Broncos. Do you see the Cowboys going in any other directions with that pick? Only way I see it going in another direction is um, based on what you just saw um, with their cornerback. We don't know what the situation is there. We know. Um, yeah, Calvin Joseph. Yes. Yes. We don't, we don't know if he's going to uh, be further involved in this investigation. We don't know if he's going to be punished for his involvement in this uh, investigation. I think there's a lot of questions still to be asked there. So I think that's a situation where if they're on the board, um, if some of the interior guys they had are gone, if some of the edge rushers they had are gone, there's a wide receiver there and a higher rated corner. Don't be surprised if they make that move. They want to upgrade that side um, uh, opposite uh, Trevon Diggs. 
I think overall, if, if they find somebody that they feel is going to come in and immediately compete and elevate that position, uh, and it's, it's going to be better than what they have, and it's better than what's on the board, I think that's a possibility as well. Um, I think overall, we haven't seen them go first round safety in a very long time. I don't see them doing it unless something big happens there. I don't see that happening, but that that's a possibility as well. But I think right now it's definitely going to be guard. I think you have multiple guards uh, that are picked at that position. They're, they're being mocked at that position. I have guard falling to them. Um, defensive end, there's going to be a lot of them. I think overall, don't be surprised if a boy, a mafe falls into their hands. Um, because I expect a lot of them to go early and then I expect a second rush of them in, in the teens. So I think right now you're going to look at it. If, if that's what's on top of their board at edge rusher, if they have a, a boy Mafe or one of those players there at that position, I think that's what falls into that, their wheelhouse. Um, they want to improve that pass rush. They didn't, I mean, yes, they brought in a Fowler, but he's, um, He's underwhelmed so far since getting drafted. So I think overall, you look at it, if there's a bigger splash, a bigger talent there that's going to elevate that defensive end room um, back to where it was because of Randy, Randy Gregory's loss is huge. They, they played very well for him opposite Tank Lawrence. When, two, when those two were together, they had a very, very potent pass rush. When he only had one of the two, it was a little less productive. And I think that's what they need is the guy that's going to elevate it to where Tank Lawrence doesn't get all that attention anymore. Yes, and I think another big reason why the Cowboys are going to highly consider a Boye Mafe or a George Karlaftis should they land at 24 is uh, as great as Micah Parsons is rushing off the edge, he is a multifaceted defensive weapon. You want to move him around that formation as mm -hmm. much as humanly possible. You need another guy to line up opposite Tank Lawrence at that edge position to give Micah Parsons more freedom, and I'm sure that's exactly what Dan <laughs> Quinn wants. Absolutely. And, and the beauty of Micah Parsons is you, you have to identify where he's going to be. And by moving him around and playing him as a linebacker, you still have the rusher coverage question. All right. So that's the beauty of it. Uh, if you make him a true, a full-time defensive end, there's less of that mystery other than flipping him from side to side, you know, where he's going to be and playing it simple His motor is great, but that's a lot to ask for Micah Parsons to become a full-time defensive end. He has some pass rush skill. We've seen that, but I think overall his ability to move around their formation in front of the defense and make a bigger impact, um, the play to run, the drop in coverage, to do all of the different things he does elevates that defense more than just him rushing the passer. And I think that's kind of, we saw sort the of games where he did just rush the passer, um, the San Diego game. It was kind of impacted some other parts of their defense to covering backs out of the backfield um coverage over the middle of the field blitzes were not as effective because plain and simple the guy that made all of the biggest impact in those areas was limited to one position so i think that does the offenses a favor by saying here's an edge rusher we're going to use him as an edge rusher for now on i think dan quinn realizes that says get me more edge rush where i can keep moving him around will be a better uh pass rush because of it he is Jeff Barnes, ladies and gentlemen, covered to draft.com and nuts and bolts sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Barnes two nine and Jeff, we've reached the most exciting part of the program on our dash to the draft divisional tour. 
we are going to give you the opportunity to play GM for all four of these NFC East teams and do three round mock drafts using the mock draft machine from our friends at the draft network. And we start with the New York giants. And by the way, uh, in this exercise, no trades are allowed. So we are on the clock at five overall. Let's see who is on the board. Kayvon Thibodeau is the best uh, non-quarterback left on the board. Sauce Garner. Now, Sauce Garner makes perfect sense for the Giants because new defensive coordinator Don Week Martindale is the most blitz-heavy defensive coordinator in the National Football League, at least uh, right now because Wade Phillips is no longer in the NFL, but he's from that similar uh, school of thought. And in order to blitz with reckless abandon you need a corner that can lock down the boundary all by himself sauce garner is that guy so uh the decision between Kayvon thibodeau and sauce garner here at five is uh more complicated than some would think absolutely you look at it you still have to me thibodeau is still the best pass rusher in this draft i know they have questions about his off the field they have questions about the overall motor um his love for football but they're, none of those guys that they're putting over him are better pure pass rushers than Kayvon Thibodeau. And it was proven on the film. All right. So um, if I am the Giants at five and I see both of these players on the board, I'm going to look at what's between my two picks. And that's Carolina. Does Carolina have the need for Sauce Gardner? I don't think they do. All right. So there's a good chance that if I take Thibodeau here, Gardner is still going to be there for me at seven. So if I'm the New York Giants, I have the ability to improve my defense in my first two picks, and then I can worry about my offensive line after that in my later picks. So if that's the case, I'm going to take Malik, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau right now, and I'm going to uh, bet that Sauce Gardner is going to be there for me at seven. All right, Kayvon Thibodeau is the pick at five, and Sauce Gardner is still on the board at seven. Shall he be the pick here? Yes, he is. Definitely. So Kayvon Thibodeau and Sauce Garner are the picks for the Giants at five and seven. But uh, just an insider nugget, Buzz has been building over the past couple weeks that of all the tackles, the Giants are enamored with Charles Cross out of mm -hmm. Mississippi State. So he could very well be the pick at either five or seven for the uh, New York Giants. So that's just something uh, for the rest of y'all to pay attention to uh, come April the 28th and we are on the clock again at 36 so we gave them Kayvon Thibodeau we gave them Sauce Garner in the first round to beef up uh, Wink Martindale's defense and now uh, let's see who are some of the best offensive players on the board Devin Lloyd, Perry Winfrey, Quay Walker, Matt Corral, Brees Hall now this might not be a surprise as some would think because Saquon Barkley was drafted by the prior regime and mm -hmm. all this talk about Joe Shane tried to unload Saquon Barkley for whatever he could get for him. Brees Hall would make more sense than many would think here. So that's good. Uh, Tyler Smith from Tulsa. Uh, he's a project, but if uh, you can marinate him on the bench for a year and have him iron out the kinks in his technique, and uh, you could get him ready to replace uh, whoever your veteran is at right tackle by 2023. This isn't a bad spot to do that. And uh, Kenneth Walker III, another good option. Christian Watson from North Dakota State is still on the board. If you want to add to that wide receiver room, especially with uh, Darius Slayton coming out of contract after this season. To hedge your bets against what's again, or Bernard Ryman from Central Michigan. If he's here, he would make perfect sense to be that tackle opposite Andrew Thomas. Absolutely. Only problem I'm seeing with my board is 
I'm having to scroll all the way past a lot of good players to get to these guys. So let's go back up to the top five guys. Devin right, Lloyd. So Devin Lloyd, we're talking about a top 30 uh, talent. Here he is. We're in the second round. He's still there on the board. Perrin Winfrey, another one. Quay Walker. So that's three impact players right there who can come in. We added to the defense already. But you know what? It still needs more help. I'm looking at it. I see some guys that can help my offense, but I got to pass all of these good players who can immediately contribute and help us win right away. So you know what? I'm going to take Devin Lloyd at this pick. He's, he's a steal at this point in the draft. He sure is. Yeah. And not only that, not only does Devin Lloyd upgrade that linebacker room, <laughs> you can kind of use him like uh, Micah Parsons light, dare I say, and uh, line him up at edge. On a handful of plays, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Micah Parsons, but uh, if you get like a, somewhat of a discount version of him, a lesser mm -hmm. version of him, then you won the lottery here. Yep. Yeah, he he would make a lot of sense. Plus, given the state of this Giants roster, I think Joe Shane has the freedom he desires to take the absolute best player on the board, and I think he would do the same thing there too. Absolutely. All right, we're at pick 67. Uh, Daniel Falele from Minnesota is mm -hmm. the best uh, player on the board. On offense, offensive tackle, uh, put him on the right side, uh, opposite of Andrew Thomas. Uh, Isaiah Likely, a tight end from Coastal mm -hmm. Carolina. Calvin Austin, mm -hmm. uh, Nicholas Petitfrere uh, from Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kate Otten, uh, yeah, th th this board is kind of jumbled now. Yeah, um, so so we're starting to see the value for the board here. So we're looking at right now, top of the board, we got Leo Chanel, right, who is an immediate impact linebacker, all right? Um, whether, it depends on where you play him, all right? So if you're going to play him as a Mike, you can do that. But I think overall his best thing is a 3-4 outside linebacker is going to be the best deal for him. Um, however... We talk about this offensive line. We know we have um, Andrew Thomas on the left side. It's, it's time to fix the right side. It's time to draft Daniel Falele. There's another big right tackle. Right? He's going to be a right tackle only at the next level. Let him come in, um, be another big op uh, tackle opposite the huge mammoth we got on the other side. Um, groom him to be the future on the, op on the right side. Yes, and uh, what I noticed from uh, Joe Shane's time in Buffalo with Brandon Bean is uh, that he likes those big, beefy linemen that if they fail a tackle, you can immediately put them inside at guard. Those are the kinds of Absolutely. tackles uh, Brandon Bean liked it. I'm sure uh, Joe Shane has some similar views. Absolutely. And Daniel Falele, his biggest issue is because he's so big, he has that Nate Solder issue of – Guys are automatically lower to him. They're automatically stronger. Okay. So we talk about that offensive line and we'll go right back to the top of the board. And what do we have right there? We talk about big beefy. How about big beefy, strong and nasty and Darian Kennard. Okay. So you have right Darian Kennard there. All right. And Akbari, ah, I just butchered his last name, but uh, Kingsley and Akbari from South Carolina is a good pick. Drake Jackson, another edge wrestler, um, Nick Benito, Another quality edge Russia. All right. So you got a lot of talent here. Um, once again, I'm looking at the board. I can immediately improve that offensive line again, 
protect my quarterback that I believe I'm going to give another shot to this year. Um, so Darian Kennard is going to be my pick. I've improved my defense with the first three picks. Now I'm improving my offense by building up that front where I can give my running back that I picked second overall holes to run through. I can keep that big quarterback that I said was a top 10 quarterback. I give him a chance to throw the football down the field. And now I'm going to look for people at the top of my board that are going to consistently come in and help these guys now in some kind of role or other offensively or defensively. They're going to fill in this roster. And that does it for the Giants. And now on to the commanders in this uh, three-round mock or in uh, reality, it's a two-round mock because they do not have a third-round pick because of the Carson Wentz trade. And uh, Garrett Wilson is the best uh, player on the board in terms of wide receivers. And the only player better than him is Jermaine Johnson, and they do not have a needed edge. So in this case, uh, Garrett Wilson uh, would be the pick, unless you like Derek Stingley or even Drake London better. Yeah, so I think the question here is, what what is your flavor right now? Okay, um, if you're looking at receiver, you have Garrett Wilson, you have uh, Drake London both on the board. The bigger receiver in London, um, the the more potential for me in Garrett Wilson, because I don't think Garrett Wilson's a finished product yet. I think overall, or, or if we want to improve that secondary, uh, we had the guy who was considered Q, uh, cornerback number one before Sauce Gardner took over on the board and Derek Stingley. Okay. Now here's a guy who had impressive freshman film kind of fell off after that had injuries and other things. Um, so the question is, where do we want to go with this? Um, I like Garrett Wilson, but if I'm Washington, I got a guy who's small on the outside already. I got guys that I'm filling in in the slot. I want that big receiver that's going to make some plays for me. So I would take Drake London at this pick if I'm the Washington Commanders. Oh, absolutely. When it comes to building a wide receiver room, rule number one, opposites attract. Terry McLaurin is a smaller, shiftier, route-running maven a speedy deep ball threat as well. Drake London is that Cortland Sutton type 50-50 catch master, and he moves surprisingly well for a big man like Cortland Sutton. He is the perfect complement and the opposite to attract to Terry McLaurin. Drake London, the pick for the Washington Commanders right here at 11. I totally, totally, totally agree with you there. And uh, so uh, Drake London and uh, Terry McLaurin would be quite a one-two punch and Absolutely. that could probably give Carson Wentz the best uh, wide receiver duo he's had in his career to date. Yeah, and then you're going to wind up adding another receiver to that group, plus you had a couple before. You have uh, Curtis Samuel, who's going to be a guy that's going to be that slot gadget guy as well. So you're going to have a lot of talent to work with at the wide receiver position, but you're going to have a guy that's going to go up and save you from a bad ball that your quarterback you know is going to throw because Carson Wentz has not thrown the ball the same the last couple of years. And we're on the clock at 47 overall. And uh, Brees Hall, Tyler Smith, Christian Harris, Kenneth Walker III. Uh, Tariq Woolen is the best uh, corner on the board. Uh, let's see. Roger McCreary is another corner that's left mm-hmm. on the board. I'm looking at secondary because uh, secondary is the other biggest need for the Washington Commanders here. Absolutely. Uh, but let's go back to the top. Let's go back to the top. And we'll we'll just work right now. I want to look at my top four guys on my board. So Desmond Ritter, if I want to go quarterback of the future, he's there. But I want to fix my offense right now. I want to support the quarterback I just made a trade for. 
I think the guy that's going to work for me is either going to be interior line and Tyler Smith, or it's going to be Brees Hall at running back. Why? We have a running back who's been there. He's, he's a quality player, but I want two guys that are going to help. One, I want to use this backup, and I don't want to have to pay him that second contract. I want to have the replacement and wings ready to go. Brees Hall's that. We can get him the ball in the back field we can have a ball out of the backfield he's a he's a very explosive player he has great hands i think overall Brees hall is going to be the pick here and i'm going to look to in, improve my offensive line especially in later rounds so Brees hall and drake london the two picks in this uh, three round mock or two round mock so to say for the washington commanders and now on to the philadelphia eagles who, like the Giants, are loaded with picks in the first three rounds of this draft, and we start at 15 overall. Drake London is still on the board, but because we already gave him to Washington, we cannot give him to Philly. But Jamison Williams, he will give Howie Roseman flashbacks to Deshaun Jackson, and I think Howie Roseman is going to have a very hard time passing up Jamison Williams, and I think he's still embarrassed by picking Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson, and uh, he sees Jamison Williams possibly as uh, the guy he thought Jalen Rager was. Definitely. If he was hundred percent healthy, you talk about a top three, four wide receiver on the board. He's not, we're going to have to wait a while for Jamison Williams. If we take him here, um, looking at my board, who can help me right now? Uh, we, we don't have Drake London. He's off the board. Go back up one more time. All right. So here they have Pickett here. Uh, we don't want that. We, we got the quarterback right now. Penning can come in and help, but Wyatt is an option. But how about that young man right there behind him, Chris Olave? If I, right, so do I want to draft the Fletcher Cox replacement or do I want Chris Olave who's going to come in and help my receiving core right away? I'm going to take Chris Olave. I believe we got a, a great job. We do have a great young man on the opposite side, Devontae Smith. Um, so I think right now, Chris Olave is going to give us the guy on the opposite side that's going to give us uh, the dynamic wide receiver that's going to come out there and not only take the top off the defense, excellent route runner, this guy who's going to find his way to get open on third down, a guy that's going to get us down the field in two-minute drill, a guy that's going to get us big uh, play action passes and take the top off the defense to find, and is also going to help you in the red zone. A very underrated part of his game. So give me that along with Devontae Smith, along with the tight end that we already have in Dallas Goddard. I think he adds to your offense, gives you the support for your quarterback that you want, and we're going to continue to build that offensive line as we go along. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Chris Olave has a very similar skill set to uh, Jamison Williams. And because Chris Olave has the cleaner medical bill right now, uh, mm -hmm. it would make a lot of sense to take him instead. And Devontae Wyatt still on the board here at 18. I think he would be a perfect replacement long-term for Fletcher Cox. I totally agree. Is he the pick? Yes, he is. So in the first round of this uh, three-round mark for the Eagles, we give them Chris Olave and Devontae Wyatt. And uh, the thing about Wyatt, a, a, a lot of people have been comparing him to his teammate at Georgia, Jordan Davis. So which one of the two is better? Uh, your colleague, uh, Bill Carroll, uh, Nuts and Bolts Sports, uh, came on this program, and he said he likes Devontae Wyatt better. Um, do you think uh, Devontae Wyatt is a better prospect than Jordan Davis? He's the more consistent of the two. 
And I think we, we fell in love with Jordan Davis because we fell in love with the athleticism for the size. But when you watch the film, the most consistent of the two is Wyatt. Wyatt is the guy that's going to give you that consistent push inside. He's not going to get moved. Overall, I think what you, the, the questions with him are consistent pass rush. Is he going to be that guy that you're going to keep on there? I think every every interior lineman now is on a pitch count for the most part, unless you not name Aaron Donald. So no matter what, he's going to be on a pitch count at the next level. He's going to be part of a rotation. He'll be starter who will get his chance to get uh, play about 40 the 45 plays as opposed to 60 plays a game. So they're going to give him his time off the field. So I think what you get out of him is a little more consistency than you get out of Jordan Wyatt. Thank you very much for that analysis, Jeff. And one way I absolutely love how you've operated tonight is that you do not reach for need. You always take the best guy on the board. And I think you have another opportunity to do so right here. Perion Winfrey is down the board. Yes, we already took Devontae Wyatt, but Fletcher Cox is uh, getting up there in age. And uh, you still got Javon Hargrave there. But what does Howie Roseman like to do best? Load up, up front. That was Mm -hmm. the key to that Super Bowl winning season in 2017. And if he wants to replicate it all over again, he'll do the same thing. And to get Perry and Winfrey and Devontae White and Javon Hargrave in a rotation with each other, all guys that can rush the passer from the inside and can support those edges. Howie Rosewood loves to build his defensive lines from the inside out. Uh, Perry and Winfrey would make a lot more sense than some would think. Absolutely. But let's look right below him. We see Brees Hall's off the board. But how about that young man right there in Christian Harris? Absolutely. Another guy that could help our linebacking group. We talked about we, we need some quality uh, talent inside. We don't have that. Well, Christian Harris gives us that. While it would be a glu- we'd be gluttonous for not taking for taking Perry and Winfrey, we'd be loading up with those big bodies. But you got to have guys behind the big bodies. You're going to rotate, but you can get another quality D tackle further down the board. But you're going to not going to get as quality linebacker as Christian Harris. So let's take him there. Yeah. So Christian Harris, the pick for the Eagles in the second round of this three round mock. And we are going to be on the clock again, very, very soon at 83 overall. We got them a wide receiver. We've got them a long-term replacement for Fletcher Cox and Devonte white. We got them their linebacker in Christian Harris from Alabama. And let's see who's here at 83. This could be the time for edge or offensive line yeah so we're seeing more of the defensive players and we're also seeing now some of the um the tight ends starting to come into play as well you see it's a bunch of them on the board there well let's look at let's scroll back up um top of the board right now is isaiah spiller a guy that could definitely help us another guy right behind him Isaiah Likely, a guy that could really help us. We have a nice young tight end that we've we've taken care of. We we moved on from Zach Ertz for him and Dallas Goddard. We've been best when we had two tight ends that are both receiving threats. I think Isaiah Likely is the pick here. Yeah, Jeff not drafting for need here again. Going with the best value and Isaiah Likely, one of the best values left on the board. He is the pick for the Eagles. And now we go to 101 overall, the comp pick that they got from the Saints in that blockbuster trade of draft capital. And so who will it be here? Will it be offensive line? Will it be edge? 
You got James Cook from Georgia as the best player on the board. He could be a very good weapon in yes, that offense. Yes, he could be. Yes. Yes. And, uh, he could go even earlier than this, though. He could. He could. In this case, they haven't fallen to us here. Um, but they need a corner, and Martin Emerson is still on the board. A lot of people like him. I do like Martin Emerson. I do think that they have um, – I mean, Emerson is going to play on the outside. We, we need that. Um, but go back up. I, there's something up, up top that I'm missing here. Um, James Cook, Kyle Phillips. Um, Emerson is up there at the top of our board. Go down. And the next thing down, Luke Gottke, uh, Rasheed Walker. So we're seeing some picks that we could use. Um I think overall, we're going to go with the corner here. He seems like the best value to us on the board. I think we got um, quality talent at some of the other positions already um, that are there on the board. But I think right now, let's add the best corner that's on the board right now to our room. And this will give us an ability because we don't, we're not reaching for him. He's at the top of our list here. Um, we are passing on a running back, but I think you're going to find value in some of the running backs later in this draft. We don't have to force that issue right now, but I think cornerback, it's going to get start to thin out after this. Some of the cornerbacks there are going to be a little less talented than Emerson and a little less, uh, a little less able to contribute in a way Emerson's going to contribute right now. So we give the Eagles Martin Emerson, a Mississippi State Bulldog, to team up with another Mississippi State Bulldog in Darius Slay. And now on to your Dallas Cowboys, who are on the clock at 24 right now. And let's see who's on the board. Uh, Trevor Penning, although your need to tackle isn't quite as big, although Tyron Smith's getting up there. And uh, Terrence Steele, as good as he's played so far, he's a relative improvement. Tyler Linderbaum, if you think he's a scheme fit in the Cowboys offense, take him. It's debatable whether or not he is, though. Kenyon Green, a perfect uh, replacement for Connor Williams, is is available. Uh, best wide receiver on the board is Jahan Dotson. If you think he could be that number two to CeeDee Lamb that Michael Gallup cannot. Uh, if you want to go corner, you got Kyrie Lamb. But Traylon Burks, now this is getting a lot of buzz because Jerry Jones went to Arkansas and he's looking for another receiver for Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. And rumor has it he's very intrigued by Traylon Burks. So Traylon Burks, Kenyon Green, Tyler Linderbaum, Kyrie Elam, your pick. Okay. So this is a very interesting situation for Dallas because this would be the ideal scenario. Everything that they could want in their pick, they have on this board right now. All right. So um, if we go back to the top of that board, so the Trevor Penning fit, what we want to do absolutely we traded away lyle collins well we released lyle collins um we do have um terrence Steele, who we have groomed who's turned who played pretty well at right tackle however he, that's going to be a full-time job for him. is he going to be consistent enough you have somebody here who's an enforcer he can play the right tackle you can move him in the guard he's going to be a mauler He's going to be physical. He's going to be, he's going to be a battler. I think overall, he could be a better tackle than Terrence Steele. However, Tyler Linderbaum could also be in not only a, a quality guard, 
but he could be an, an improvement over the center you already have. So there are two guys immediately at the top of your board. Devin Lloyd, all right? We talked about it. They resigned Van Der Esch to a one-year deal. You need another linebacker. Cox injured his knee last year. Jabril Cox injured his knee last year. So you don't know if he's going to be, um, what he's going to be like as a full-time starter. So there are three guys right there that could automatically start for Dallas Cowboys. If you scroll down a little more, there's another guy that can immediately start down for the Dallas Cowboys. Daxton Hill, Kenyon Green, okay? All right, Jahan Dotson, we already know what he can do. Okay, Kyrie Elam, the guy that can come in and tribute, uh, um, come in and challenge for their starting cornerback job. Uh, Traylon Burks, another guy that can add to your receiving room. But I'm intrigued uh, by the Kenyon Green pick. And, and the reason why I'm saying that, because he fits not only what you want to play at guard, but he's a guy that can play the tackle position. And if they have injuries and they need to kick him outside, but overall, he's an upgrade of what Connor Williams was. He's a stronger player. He shows that the finish, the will to finish at guard, his ability to play at tackle. I think Kenny Green is the best pick for the Dallas Cowboys at, at this position. So Kenny Green is the pick for the Cowboys in the first round of this three-round mock, and uh, it definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, and uh, in reality, I would expect him to go to either the Cowboys at 24, the uh, Titans at 26, or the Bucks at 27. I think that is where his floor is in this draft and we're back on the clock at 56 overall right there at the top of the board says it all all right quay walker right we talked about the light at the light uh, the light room the light depth at the linebacker position we talk about the ability to challenge for a starting position coming in uh, with the injury to cox last year with the uncertainty of the future of van der esch quay walker comes in and improves that linebacker depth he gives you a guy that can challenge Van Der Esch for that starting role. You have one playmaker at linebacker who's going to be moving all over the formation. You need another playmaker that's going to be a consistent run stuffer, a guy that's going to be consistently where he's supposed to be and anchoring down the defense on the inside. Quay Walker is that. Can I give a little rebuttal here? Sure. The Ezekiel Elliott contract is an albatross around the Cowboys' necks right now, and he's the reason why there's no more Amari Cooper in Dallas. But you would get out of that contract next year, and you could take Kenneth Walker the third to be his long-term replacement. You could. Um, the only thing that's going to probably uh, not justify that pick is that you're not going to get Kenneth Walker to carries this year to contribute because you already have Zeke this year and Tony Pollard. Those two guys are going to get the lion's share of carries. So you have the ability to improve, keep improve the defense better than it was last year by adding more talent to the interior, um, as opposed to getting a running back who you're not going to get a lot of carries to, and it may pay off down the road in the future. But if that's the case, you might as well wait until later in the draft to add another one of those guys. They may not be uh, Kenneth Walker. They may not be Brees. Uh, well, we ready to take Bruce, took Brees Hall on another team, but in another draft, but they may not be Kenneth Walker to who's to me is my running back one. But overall, I think you just, you have what you have on your roster for this year. Um, it may not be what you need going forward, but you'll be able to, um, to duplicate the kind of production you got out of Zeke with another back in the future in a later round or with another um, in later draft next year. Because I think overall, Tony Pollard is not a full-time starter. He's a, he's a part-timer. He's a committee back. So I think what you have to do is um, 
you have to find a guy that's going to split the time with him. It's a perfect compliment to him if you're not going to have Zeke Kelly on your roster next year. But you need to improve that defense this year. So that's why we're going with the linebacker. Yeah, so Quay Walker is the second-round pick for the Cowboys in the three-round mock, and now we're back on the clock again at 88. Uh, we gave Isaiah Likely to the Eagles, so he's out of play mm-hmm. here. Uh, we already selected a linebacker, but you got several good tight end options here, and Dalton Schultz is on the franchise tag, but uh, you could use another option here. Uh, Kate Otten, Jeremy Rucker, or Greg Dolchich, if you want to take a roll of dice on athleticism, Greg Dolchich could be the guy here. Uh, Dolchich gives you the uh, more uh, the better receiving option down the field, but I'm going to take Rucker here because one of the problems they had last year was their tight ends struggled to block in a running game. Rucker is the better blocker of this group that's on the board. He's also a pretty a pretty good pass catcher. The compliment Dalton Schultz, he's an excellent pass catcher in the red zone, which is where you really need their help. So I think overall Jeremy Rucker fits uh, what the Dallas. Uh, needs and works the board pretty well here. You're not going, you're not really reaching down off the board to get Jeremy Ruckert. He's, he's right in the area where you'd want him. So this three round mock draft for the Cowboys concludes with Jeremy Ruckert tight end from Ohio state. And he is Jeff Barnes, ladies and gentlemen, cover to draft.com and nuts and bolts sports. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff Barnes two nine. Jeff, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that concludes our 2022 Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour. But we will be back in just a few days with two very special guests, starting off with Carmen Vitale of the Draft Network, who will let us know all the last-minute draft buzz she's hearing and help us do our final mock draft of the year. And early next week, we have a very special interview with Chicago Bears center Cody Whitehair. So stay tuned. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at SportsCrunch with dcrom. That's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and approved SportsCrunch.com, where my fourth mock draft of the 2022 cycle is now up. For Jeff Barnes, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and whatever you're doing, please, please keep the brave people of Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool, and Slava Ukraini! Glory to Ukraine!